Welcome to the Seminary Support Podcast, where you will find help to start, finish, and get the most out of your seminary experience. I'm your host, Mark McElreath. Thank you for joining us today for part two of our conversation with Dr. Herb Samworth. And if you haven't already gone back and listened to last week's episode, I encourage you, go back and listen to it first. This episode will build on some of the things we've talked about, but also we'll talk a little bit more about church history, about ministry, a number of things about seminary. And uh, Dr. Samworth is just a wealth of knowledge. I know he's a real help. So thank you for joining us. Let's get right into the conversation as we continue with Dr. Herb Samworth. You talk about the European Reformations, reformers, their preaching. Now you're, you're a Baptist and you have studied Baptist history. Can you give some insight into uh, why, even after studying so much of church history, you still hold to Baptist distinctives? Well, I hold to them because I honestly believe that is what the Word of God teaches. There have been several Baptist theologians that have kind of disappeared from view because they were not uh, necessarily university people, Uh, but a man by the name of John Spilsbury and uh, William Kiffin and Hansard Nollies and Benjamin Keach uh, all did tremendous work. They were all preachers. Mm-hmm. And they really taught uh, what a true church is. Now, that's not to say others didn't describe what the church, the preaching of the Word of God, the administration of the ordinances, and so forth. But I really believe the Baptists uh, have made their greatest contribution in the doctrine of the church. And I believe today one of our real weaknesses is people truly don't understand what a church is. Mm. We think, well, I'm, I'm missing church or I'm going to church and so forth. But it's that association with the Lord, but it's association with other people. It is a shared faith. There's a personal faith, absolutely. Uh, I cannot, uh, uh, or no one can repent and believe for me. I must do that. Mm-hmm. But we share a faith. Uh, We can call it the love of the brethren. Uh, John talks about it in his epistles of of true fellowship. And I think we're, I'm I'm not sure how much we truly understand that. And so that's why, because I believe the Bible teaches that, and Mm -hmm. especially on the order of the ordinances. And Kiffin, when he did his work, he had something called the gospel order of salvation. You preach the gospel, people believe, are baptized on profession of faith, then they join the church, and then they participate in the Lord's Supper. And that's taken right out of Acts chapter 2. If you follow Mm -hmm. what Peter did, the people gladly heard the word, they believed, they were baptized, uh, and they continued in the apostles' doctrine and so forth. And... uh, I believe they've really laid that out. So I'm, I'm a Baptist by conviction. Amen. Well, I am too. And, <laughs> and I would imagine in Kiffin's day, you talk about the, what'd you call it? The gospel order of salvation, of salvation that mm-hmm. that was, I don't know if groundbreaking is the word, but people were allowed into the church out of order. And so that Absolutely. was very controversial in his time then. 
Yes, and I think if you want to go ahead to uh, another lesson from church history that deals with that, uh, so Kiffin is back in the 17th century, 1600s. If you go ahead 100 years to New England, where basically the people were Congregationalists. Now, Congregationalists practice infant baptism, mm -hmm. but then the Great Awakening takes place. Whitfield comes through, preaches the gospel, people are saved. And many of these people that were baptized as infants realized they never were saved. They were members of the churches, but never truly saved. Hmm. So what are they going to do? Well, they formed a group they called New Light People. But even that fell apart because they saw that if you truly are to practice the ordinance correctly, or at least according to the Bible, then your ordinance is based upon something that has already taken place within you. You don't, you don't have the ordinance and then grace conferred by the ordinance. You experience the spiritual change and the ordinance is an outward sign of an mm -hmm. inward spiritual reality. And if the reality is not there, the ordinance has no power, has no, unless you believe in what we would call uh, the power of uh, the sacramental uh, power to confer grace, which mm -hmm. uh, I certainly don't believe in that. Right. Uh, Do you think, you know, there's so, there, there's a little bit of a spotlight on, the fathers of America, kind of that, a lot of that right now with all that's going on, tearing down statues and things like that. Do we underestimate the, the value that not just religion, but people being saved, revival, the great awakening had in the forming of our nation, do you think? I think there's a general, um, misunderstanding or general lack of knowledge and things like that. Um, I think too, because of that, uh, there is a, now a view that all historical people have to be judged according to the standards of today. And that's just simply impossible. Uh, the other thing is, the thing is they were people of their time. And we're people mm -hmm. of our time. We have our sins. We have our failures. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's always easier to read into another person his failures than to allow the Word of God to truly examine me and see where my failures are. And we also can learn negative lessons from uh, church history as well. Um, so the understanding history, trying to see them as people at their time, seeing where, how far they came and uh, how, um, how they were incomplete or so forth, but we're the same as well. Mm -hmm. And I, I think what we need, well, just to give you an example, if you take Martin Luther, he's pretty well known as one, a man of one doctrine. He would look at everything through shall we say it, the prism or the grid of justification by faith. So if he saw a book of the Bible that he felt did not truly teach the doctrine of justification by faith, he'd put it in another category. So when he translated the New Testament, he found four books that he felt didn't measure up. First of all was the Epistle of James. So when he put the order of books, he put James and I forget the others, in a different category. He was a man of his time. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, but then others built on what Luther had done. Doctrine of justification is fundamental, but that's not the complete Christian life. You build the life of sanctification on the life or on the uh, fact of justification by faith. And uh, how far Luther got, um, you know, others took, took him further. There were second generational um, uh, reformers. Luther was first generational. So mm -hmm. we, we build on history and we try to view it uh, not whether we like it or whether we don't, but view it through the prism of the word of God and, and be thankful for what they did do and then see, well, maybe they came short here. So I can take that lesson, apply to my life and see where uh, I come short. That's, that's the way I see the value of history. Mm -hmm. Now you've done quite a bit of work. You have a website and you've written a number of articles about historical characters, characters in church history. Can you tell us that website? Because I'd like our listeners to be able to find that. It's called um, Tyndale's Plowboy. Tyndale's Plowboy, but plow is P-L-O-U-G-H dot org. It's not the English spelling of plow. It's P-L-O-U-G-H. Now, can you give us can you give us the the context of that title for your for your website? Yes, um, the the story is uh, that uh, Tyndale was talking to someone, uh, and they were discussing Tyndale's desire to see the Bible in the hands of the people, and the story, which some say is apocryphal, some say it's true. It's one of those things we, we can't, as it were, cite chapter and verse for his life. But when this individual said to Tyndale, we don't need the Bible, we can do with the Bishop of Rome's laws and the canon law, Tyndale replied, I defy the Pope and all his laws. If God spare my life, I will make the plowboy no more a scripture than you do. And the idea is the plowboy is about as low in English society as you could get. I mean, he's not an educated person. He's not a sophisticated person, but he is a person. He is a mm -hmm. person. And I think that, again, comes back to the reformer's desire. The Bible is for the people. And yes, maybe uh, uh, they're not literate, but we can... Uh, teach them literacy, we can teach them uh, the Word of God. Well, may, maybe a story from church history will help us out. Uh, George Whitfield, 1739. Uh, I think it would, may have been just before he came to America. Uh, was not permitted to uh, preach in many of the churches of England. Uh, Whitfield himself was an Anglican Church of England. And so he decided to preach out of doors. Well, that was a scandal. And then he decided to preach at a place called Kingswood. That's near Bristol. And this was one tough area. These were, this was a coal mining area. And the story is told how that when the miners would come out of the pits in all their, uh, dirt, all the coal dust on them, Whitfield would preach the gospel to them. The Church of England had no interest in it. And Whitfield preached with such power in the Spirit of God 
really work that many of these hardened coal miners uh, accepted the Lord and were so moved that they began to cry. And Whitfield mentions how that he knew he was reaching in when he could see the white gutters coming down their cheek that had been formed by the mm. tears. And it's an amazing story. But what is to me just as amazing is after they were converted, the very first thing for which they asked was to have a school teacher come and teach them how to read so they could read the Bible. Mm. That's the power of the gospel. And right. that's the thing. When people have the word of God. Amen. Now, if you could give a final word to, let's say there's a man and he is in the midst of a seminary degree. He feels that he, he may just quit, lay it down. He can't go any further. Do you have just a final encouraging word that you'd want to give to them? Well, the, the word is that, um, uh, just keep on going. I know that when I started out, uh, and people do things differently, I looked at all of the things I needed to do, and I needed to do 32 of them. <laughs> there mm. were 16 classes, there were uh, 10 preliminary tests, and so forth. And when I looked at them, I thought, oh no, how am I going, how are we going to do this? But number one, I really believe the Lord had opened up a door of opportunity. So I was where the Lord wanted me to be. Uh, and that's, that was the most important. Uh, and then the other thing was, um, you seek to do what you can do. You don't try to take on everything. You do what is laid out for you for the day. And then probably, um, one thing that really encouraged me, and I'll, I'll tell you a very quick story. Uh, we were, or I was talking to a bookseller friend of mine. All booksellers are my friends. <laughs> but I uh, was speaking to him about uh, the class. He had a PhD from a school in Scotland. And he was talking for some reason about some of the classmates I had and he said well I'm not sure this is person's going to make it or that person's going to make it but then he for whatever reason just looked at me and he said you're going to make it and mm -hmm. you don't know what that meant to me because I'm not saying I was uh, going to quit but I was feeling the strain and that word of encouragement and I like now how uh, seminaries are uh, putting you in what the, I guess they call them cohorts where mm -hmm. you kind of work together, you encourage one another. Uh, Westminster Seminary did not do that at that time. So we were kind of individualists, not that we were individualistic, but we're individuals. But I made friends with uh, a couple fellows and we used to encourage one another because uh, a lot of them were married, uh, pastoring churches, trying to work their way through. And that time was uh, just a real encouragement. So uh, be faithful at a church if you're pastoring the church. Well, obviously you have work there. But don't give up going to church. Don't give up a ministry. Uh, seek to make that ministry live in your own life and encouragement. And it's just a, a step at a time. And one, one final story from... Uh, 
William Carey, and you know Carey's uh, famous statement, he wasn't gifted, but he could plot. And really seminary is a plotter's work. You, it's day after day, and uh, but yet with that, there's always encouragements along the way. So uh, keep uh, close to the Lord, um, pray much about it, but uh, the Lord will give you the strength. He will encourage you. Amen. Speaking of keeping booksellers uh, as your close friends, what are you reading right now? Well, right now, um, I just uh, finished or am working on a book for the second time called The uh, the Puritans by David D. Hall. Uh, he is from uh, Harvard. I'm not sure he's um, he would um, be of the same faith. Uh, but he is a very perceptive writer, and um, and so I read that. Uh, I like to read biographies uh, because you get church history, but you also see how God uses people. Hmm. And uh, biographies have had a, a real part in my own growth and learning and things like that. People like McShane, Spurgeon's biography. Uh, but uh, get a good biography and read that. That'll really encourage you. So. Amen. Well, our guest today has been Dr. Herb Samworth. Dr. Samworth, thank you for your time, and God bless you for your work. Well, thank you for having me, Mark. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today and finishing this conversation with me with Dr. Herb Samworth. I hope you found some helpful things, and if you haven't already, please subscribe so you get notified every time a new episode is launched. Take a moment to review us. And also, please share today's episode with someone that you think that would find this content helpful. Find me on Twitter, at Mark McElreath Jr. Send me your episode ideas or feedback to theseminarypodcast at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the web at seminarysupport.com. I'm your host, Mark McElreath. And remember, nothing will ever take the place of learning from the Lord Jesus Christ. He calls out, learn of me. And there's an open invitation to that classroom for all of us.